I was like, what did we record after the body parts? And I was like racking my mind about it. And I had the recording. So I was like, you can just listen to the recording. And I was like, no, I'm going to try to remember. And then I didn't remember until I heard fungi on the TV or something and started laughing because I was like, oh, that's so funny. Because when you said we were doing fungi, I kept thinking you were saying fun guy. (laughs) And then I tried to tell Mike that little, you know, like, oh, I thought Molly was saying fun guy. And it's just like no reaction from him. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Molly here with Bridget. Hello. And today we are doing a couple of follow-ups on body parts. Uh, We did a couple few stories. There were stories within stories, so there was a few stories. We have another couple stories today, but... To start off, I wanted to just discuss with Bridget um, what you do when a body part falls off and how you reattach a severed body part. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. I saw a TikTok about this. Oh, fun. And I was like, oh, I should pin it. As though when I accidentally lose a body part, I'm going to look for this TikTok video. But it was funny, some of the stuff that they said, like, to do and don't do. Right, right. I'm sure it's pretty similar. I just found these on uh, Slate and CNN. So they're just like, you know, their general interest stories about losing body parts. Like, I think it was something about how to store it. Yeah. That they said that I was like, oh, I don't think I would fuck that up. But now that you're making a point about it, I feel like that must be a common one that people put it in a inappropriate vessel when they are on the way to the hospital. Yes. When I first came across this story, that was my first instinct was, oh, I would have done this incorrectly. Is it don't put it on ice? Don't put it on ice. Yeah. You know, that's not our fault as people to think you put on ice and every movie you see where people are transplanting organs or or body parts you always think it's on ice because it's in a cooler but i guess it just must be in a cooler yes exactly that is true oh and then another good tip i saw in a different video was if you get like a deep cut in the woods you should not try to sew up that cut yourself huh. because you could trap an infection. That does make sense. Hmm. But there is a, something that I'll have to ask you about a little bit later that is related to that. You have to tell me what you think. For sure. So just to 
give you a little bit of a, a little story. This is a story that CNN used about a man named Jim Beatty who was renovating his Seattle, Washington home. Dang, it's always in the Seattle area. What are you guys doing up there? Well, this one's a little bit of a freak accident, I think. So I wouldn't blame him. Um, He was cutting a 16-foot piece of siding and turned to talk to his son. The electric saw went out of control and cut his fingers. So actually, that is his fault because he probably shouldn't have been distracted with an electric saw. I like how how whoever wrote this, whether if it's like a direct quote from him, but there's like a lack of victim blame right. here. <laughs> like the, the saw went out of control. What? A, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> his son, seven at the time, ran upstairs to get his wife yelling, Mom, Dad needs a Band-Aid. <laughs> he needed a little more than a Band-Aid. And of course, him and his wife put the fingertip in a Tupperware container, which is the biggest mistake you can make with these detached body parts. Oh, wait, did they put ice in there, too? Yeah, they put it in with ice. Oh, okay. So he had sawed off nearly all the way through his index finger and cut up the top inch of his middle finger. So this is quite a lot. Oh, boy. Here's what the nurses say. This was at Swedish Medical Center. What you're supposed to do, avoid direct contact with ice because the ice can give the blood vessels freezer burn and make reattachment difficult. First, put direct pressure on the wound and elevate it higher than the heart. And then you rinse off the severed body part. Oh, trying to decrease bacteria seems important. That feels like maybe a really hard step. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, Do not scrub it because you will cause damage. I don't even want to touch it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But but just in case, in case when I'm touching this, don't scrub it, don't scrub it. Then get a clean piece of cloth or gauze. Ideally, the sterile gauze would be the smartest thing because it's sterile, of course, but clean cloth, probably fine. You dampen it with cold water and then wrap the appendage in the dampened cloth. And then you put that in a plastic bag and put the bag in the cold ice water. So it's ice and water. Yeah. Yeah. An ice bath. Ice bath better than just water or just ice. That makes sense because I don't think you really want that in warm air. That seems like you're going to trigger some sort of decomposing. So you do want it to be cool. But like if it was just iced, ice itself, like you said, would give it freezer burn. So the ice water also... The water stays cold from the ice, but the water will bring down the ice temperature to something more that wouldn't cause such damage. Right. Yeah. So that's important information, listeners. Yeah. Try to remember this just in case. 
A uh, final note, keep the body part with you because if you are with your significant other or friend, they might get separated from you on the way to the hospital oh. and you want the body part with you. Just in case you forget this and you do put it on ice, it's not the end of the world. These surgeons were able to reattach Beatty's finger and he now has full use of it, though he has lost some sensation and it is shorter than his other matching finger. Weird. Oh, the reattachment stuff is just like blows my mind because like there's so much there. There's nerves, there's blood vessels. Yes. And just to give you some more uh, reattachment information. Um, This is from the Slate article. Slate decided to write this article in 2005 after an Anchorage, Alaska man's girlfriend cut off his penis and flushed it down the toilet. Oh, wow. Well, good for you, girl. I'm sure she I bet she had a good reason to do it. I'm sure she did. Um, Unfortunately for her or maybe fortunately, I'm not sure. A municipal worker was able to recover the penis. What? Yes. And the surgeons were able to sew it back on the next morning. What the shit? Yeah, that was a big surprise to me. How do you not get like an incredibly huge staph infection in your penis? You would think so. But here are some of the things that allowed for this reattachment to happen. Because they were in Alaska... It was a pretty cold climate at the time. So supposedly a severed finger can survive for at least 12 hours in a warm environment in a couple days if refrigerated. Oh, weird. Some reports say that a body part can survive as many as four days before being reattached. So that's a promising. Oh, Okay. The reason why the penis was also easier to reattach was because the blood vessels in a finger are about one or 1.5 millimeters wide, where the blood vessels in a penis are bigger and easier to work with. So it's easier to reattach. So can you get a boner again? An excellent question. I would imagine, yeah, because like, so so what the surgeons are doing is they're reattaching the blood vessels. They reattach the veins so the blood can flow in and out. I imagine it's one of those situations where they're like, don't get a boner for the next six months or something, you know? <laughs> if a vein can't be sewn up right away, what the surgeon does is they apply live leeches. Whoa. Yes. A single leech can suck up to 10 cubic centimeters of blood from the severed limb. A chemical in its saliva, hirudin, keeps the blood from clotting and allows for continued drainage. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But it's still like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, it is really crazy. 
not only the blood vessels, the veins, you also need to attach, of course, the tendons, the bones, the nerves. Wait, so the hospitals just have leeches on hand? I bet they do. I bet they do. If you work in a hospital, tell us if you have leeches on hand. That would be fascinating. Or do you have to like send somebody, nurse, you got to go to the pet store. Yeah, they would have to either have them on hand or have the ability to get them quickly, like at least like a supplier or something, right? Yeah. But I guess if if you're at a specialized hospital, but do you go to a, if you lose a limb, are you just at the mercy of whoever's working the hospital that day? I think so, because you just don't have the time. Like there's only, you only have so much time. Dang. While I was on vacation, I was uh, with a guy who worked at a hospital and he was telling us some horror stories about some of the doctors, some of the surgeons. And one of the stories was like, every time this surgeon was like on the calendar for a surgery, they would have to prep the like emergency ward or whatever what what do you call it like the icu pretty much because the surgeon was so bad i was like oh my god you work with dr death yeah oh it was not good and then he's like yes and in medicine you fail up so they just promoted him to admin it was like jesus christ that's horrifying what oh my god dude Our hospital system is so messed up. up. But he also had some good stories about like fun doctors who were like very like these things come in and you think like, oh, doctors have like a standard procedure. But there's so many things that don't have a standard procedure. So they just like have to make it up as they go along. It's like, damn, nice. Yeah, I I always feel like when you have a doctor or nurse who spent a lot of time working in ER, I always feel more like trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like you've, you've seen some things you've gone through some things you've been to war. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, I don't think you get that with all the doctors. No, no. Cause you just have to be ready for whatever walks in. As we discussed last week, clean cuts are good in reattachments as well. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess they weren't really reattaching them before, but (laughs) (laughs) just so you know, in case if it is a cleaner cut, it is much easier. Oh, is that true? I mean, I guess that is true because you just said it. I think I remember hearing something about that just when... You like cut your finger, not necessarily lose the appendage, but like if you were to cut your finger, I think I remember hearing something about how that affects the healing process. And now I'm like trying to remember what it was, but I don't think it's going to come to me. Apparently, though, just unfortunately, if you're listening out there, ears, which have very small arteries and which are often ripped or bitten off when they're severed are very tricky to reattach. Not good if you lose an ear. So avoid Mike Tyson. Yes. So even in the case of a clean cut, oftentimes in order to reattach it, 
they will remove some of the veins or arteries or any of like the end part that might be damaged or whatever. So oftentimes the reattached limb, as we just discussed, is shorter than it originally was because they have removed a section. I was going to ask about that uh, Alaskan penis, but then I was like, I don't do you really care about some guy's dick if he lost? <laughs> right. Because as you were saying, like, so because those kind of crimes, like he cheated on her, right? Like <laughs> he did something. He did menacing. something real bad. Yeah. But like it was related to a penis. Like, yeah, we should not uh, be concerned about his penis. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. It's not worth it. No. No. Just so you know, the fingers work better things that don't have a lot of muscle because muscle has a faster metabolism than other kind of tissue. So it deteriorates more quickly. Oh. And so if you were to try to reattach an arm or a leg, it should be reattached within six to 12 hours because otherwise the limb will die. Oh, geez. Interestingly enough, cartilage has the slow metabolism. So something, if the ear could be reattached, it would survive longer. So a nose or an ear. I want to know what people do with their appendages. Like if you can't make it in time to get reattached or you put it in a bucket of ice, like, do you keep it and have it buried with you or do you keep it do you turn it do you cremate it what do you do with your arm you're stuck with your dead arm uh slate does make the last point that the penis because of the tissue it does actually make a very excellent candidate for longer stretches of reattachment of course back to some of the other body parts that may fall out because I don't know. I thought it was interesting a little bit. What happens when your teeth fall out? There's also some misinformation out there about this one. Like from the root? Good question. I think it has to have the root. Yeah. Otherwise it would just be like a dead tooth. Right. Yeah. And then they would just put the prosthetic in. Good point. Yes. All right. So if your tooth falls out and you have what it is technically, supposedly, is a ligament that is out of your tooth, apparently. And what is the most important thing to do when you lose this tooth is to keep it moist. Okay, that makes sense. Now, the old wives tale, the what's the word for that? I don't know what is it's like a superstition, something like that, kind of a superstition, is to keep the tooth in a glass of milk. But that's wrong. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. The, I think wives' tale fit for that. Or the old myth or the old. Yeah. But um, if you want, you can rinse the tooth in milk. Um, you can also rinse it in water. Why is milk bad? Milk? Does I wouldn't have guessed milk. That would definitely not have been my first choice. But now that you say milk, I feel like that makes sense, though. 
Yes. So what they say is milk is useful, not because of any calcium content that might, that seems to be where like some of the misinformation comes from, but what it is, is it's because it has a neutral pH. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you lose a tooth and you don't have water or milk available, the best option is to immediately suck off the dirt. So clean it in your mouth. And then immediately put the tooth back in its socket. What? Yeah. I mean, this makes sense. I'm just like thinking about it. Wow. Okay, so what if, do you know this? Is mineral water bad? Is the alkaline, can your alkaline, the pH be too high? The alkaline too high? Don't know. I don't know the difference between what pH is and alkaline. I know one's acidic and one isn't. I'm not sure. I really don't know. Just don't put in a can of Coke. Yeah, yeah. Just try to keep whatever is as neutral as possible, I guess. Mouth makes a lot of sense. I would just pop it in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, it does. But that would sounds terrifying and disgusting. It does, but I think it's the best option to try to keep her tooth. So like in that instance, it's like if you want to keep the tooth. Yeah. So make sure you put it into socket correctly by biting down because when you bite down, it should just feel like a norm, like it's there, but not because it should like, you know, kind of stay in a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. When I have dreams that you ever have those dreams that you lose your teeth. Yes, I think so. A lot of times I'll like in the dream, push down on the teeth like you're not going to (laughs) wobble. I'm not losing a tooth today. Uh, One of the dentists, doctors interviewed for this article says that she has had patients put it in backwards. So don't do that. What happens if you put in, can they just pull it back out and fix it? Yeah, but it also would be like very painful and kind of defeating the purpose because you're trying to keep the root and moist. Oh, you better give me the morphine. If I'm going in there for you to pop my tooth back in, I better be getting some freaking morphine. Oh, sure. But I mean, this is before that happened. Like they put it in backwards before they got to the dentist kind of thing. Right. But then they have to pull it out. Like before they pull it out to fix it, you're giving me morphine. Oh, I see. Sure, sure. But I mean, well, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's, don't put it in backwards. That's all we're saying. Um, this is has to be much quicker than an appendage. Unfortunately, the critical period is an hour. For a tooth? Yeah. Oh, my God. The longer it's out, the less of a chance you have at the successful implantation. Oh, God. Okay. If for some reason the tooth doesn't stay in place in your mouth, the next best option is to just keep the tooth in between your gum and cheek. Okay. Also, do you want to go to a dentist or do you want to go to an oral surgeon? You can go to a Dentist, you can go even go to an emergency room, apparently. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Whatever's fastest, I would think. This is weird. Um, if a child loses a tooth, 
it's probable that it's just their baby tooth, so they won't reattach it. But just in case, you should visit the dentist anyway, just to make sure the root of the tooth isn't broken. Oh. If the child loses it in like a traumatic way as opposed to just a normal way. It didn't just fall out. Last one. Last body part. The eyeball. Oh, boy. Yeah, this one's uh, not fun. I've thought a lot about this because last winter I had floaters. Oh, yeah. And then that put me in a rabbit hole of reading about people's freak eye accidents. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that never happens to me. Right. For sure. Yeah, I'm not a big, uh, I do not like the eyeball. I don't like any sort of eyeball horror in TV and movies. It seems like it's all over the place nowadays. Don't like it. I mean, it's a good one. It's very visceral. Yeah. Guess. And it's one that like won't kill you right away. You know what I mean? Like if someone rips out your colon, you're probably going to die right away. But like. If you just do an eye, you still have like time to survive in the movie. Ugh. I guess you're right. Oh, I don't like, I don't like, <laughs> I do not like it at all. CNN found a fun story about a basketball player playing for the Pittsburgh Panthers. The rival player accidentally poked Alan Ray in the eye. What happened was that his eyelid went behind his eye. Weird. Um, In the ambulance, Ray asked why he couldn't see out of his eye and then passed out. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. That's probably kind of optimal. Do you really want to be awake? No. Yeah, so this is a pretty rare one. I mean, it might just be one of those things where it's like you see this more in movies and it really happens in real life. But um, an eye can become dislodged. When it happens, the eye doesn't fall down because it's held in place by the optic nerve. Yep. If your eyeball becomes dislodged, it'll just kind of be there but don't deal don't you want to support it because if there's too much strain on the optic optic nerve won't that tear i would definitely imagine that that is the correct thing to do support it but do not try to put it back in because you could push the wrong part of the eye and cause more damage or problems oh my god okay oh please no yeah Get to an emergency room as fast as possible. And um, if you if you have someone with you, have them call ahead so they can have an ophthalmologist on hand. Oh. So the doctor, since they know what they're doing, they will push the eye back in and give you antibiotics. Ray says his vision was blurry and his eye was red for about two weeks, but now his vision is perfect. So not terrible, but also (laughs) horrifying. Horrifying, but uh, sounds like the best outcome for him. 
now we'll go into some more body part stories. 54 severed hands in Siberia. Oh, are Santa Claus shamans, <laughs> are they involved? They are not. Um, you would only get that reference if you were a Patreon <laughs> subscriber. But um, on March 8th of 2018, a fisherman in Siberia near the Amur River, which is a popular fishing destination near Khabarovsk, Russia. (laughs) And uh, this is important for later in the story. 18.6 miles or 30 kilometers from the Chinese border. He finds, I guess I said he because it said fisherman, but. Yeah, I guess it's fisherman, whatever. Anyway. So uh, fisherman, fine. Yes. He finds, he sees a hand sticking up out of the snow. Oh, that's eerie. Yes, indeed. And in the end, it finds a bag of 27 pairs or 54 human hands. Now, we're in Siberia. So are we in a place of Siberia where there's where probably i don't know if this is still a case given climate change but at the time the hands are discovered is there like year-round snow Ooh, i don't know i'm not sure about that okay i'm just thinking about the preservation of these hands that's a good question i'm not sure all i know is it was snowy when they found them but i don't know what that means i'm like already trying to solve the case yes. even though you're probably going to tell me who it was <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, okay. Around the area is also found medical bandages and plastic hospital-style shoes. Did you say, sorry, what the year was of this story? This is 2018. This is 2018. Oh, this this is recent. Yes. Oh, so, okay. Not great. I don't think, I think it gets a little warm in Siberia these days. Oh, yeah. No, good point. That's an excellent point. I'm going to start off. What are your theories? It's hard to say because I don't know enough about this part of Siberia or any part of Siberia, but it's 54 hands in a bag that look like pears. So it's like one left, one right. And we have medical supplies. I was going to say someone was trying to maybe steal hands from a facility but then i'm like what kind of facility just stockpiles amputated hands i have no idea what 54 hands are doing out in the wild not a single guess all right these are the theories that the internet came up with obviously because that's the only place people (laughs) gather in 2018 (laughs) this may be punishment of theft perhaps by a gang of some sort perhaps it's just a ruthless maniac murderer maybe it's the yakuza which i don't understand why anyone would say yakuza when you're next to china but whatever people are just racist whatever yes molly is absolutely right a lot of i feel like there's a lot of racism here yes Less racist people say it's a Chinese mafia ring, which, fine, whatever. Some people believe it's severed corpses, which were plundered for body parts, which 
is possible. The idea would be they kill people for their body parts. They cut off their hands to get rid of the identifiable parts. Yeah, that's another reason why the mafia would also have a collection of hands. Right. Yes, yes. But I feel like given it's 2018, it feels like a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I agree. 1976. Yeah, people had time. They don't have shit to do. They're cutting off hands. 2018, people got TikToks to make. They got the Marvel movies coming out. There's a lot going on in 2018 you just didn't have before. I would agree with that, which is why the official explanation is a little bit suspect to me. We'll get there. Other more reasonable explanations include include just like improper disposal of a general medical amputation or improperly discarded remains of cadavers dissected by medical students. Yeah, that that feels like no, it's 2018. <laughs> All right. So here's what the official story is. The officials from the Investigative Committee of the Russian Federation which is the government agency responsible for criminal investigations, discovers, not discovers, I don't know, proclaims that the hands appear to have been improperly disposed by a forensic lab in Khabarovsk. Oh, that is very bizarre. Yes. But... Bizarre enough that I'm on board with it. Well, okay, yes. Just to get a little wacky on you, the Daily Mail reports that the lab the lab admitted to chopping off the hands of 410 unidentified corpses, which is a procedure from Stalin's time. And that's to keep identification of unidentified bodies and be able to dispose of the rest of the corpse. That, I don't, I don't understand that for a lot of reasons. Yes. But I still feel like for some reason, the forensic lab definitely would be cutting off hands for some reason or receiving hands because they're forensic lab. So there's like a multitude of reasons why they would even have hands. And then it does seem like an agency like that would be sloppy enough to not properly dispose of them. So that's why I'm mostly on board. And it would make sense during Stalin's time, I guess, to chop off the hands of bodies because even if that was not ever in order by Stalin, it seems like there was a lot of chaos at that time within the Russian government, as we learned <laughs> down our Russian hole, that it's like, yeah, for some reason, some guy was definitely telling everybody this is what we're doing now. And people went along with it. And why is the forensic lab still involved? 
We may never know, but they're definitely. Yeah, the whole story doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Supposedly, what's supposed to happen is once biological waste reaches 50 to 60 kilograms, it's disposed by burial or cremation. But I read a couple stories that discuss like, oh, there's these Russian companies that are in charge of this, which is was, to me was like, oh, my God. Yeah, they're just like cutting quarters and they're just like dumping shit. Which, yeah. Ugh, yuck. But then there was also like this very suspicious thing where supposedly, which I don't know what to believe, fingerprints from only one of the 27 pairs of hands was able to be identified. So they couldn't actually identify any of the other bodies, which like kind of made me think like, well, that's the reason why all these conspiracy theories are popping up. But like also like, why can't you like if, if the whole purpose was you're keeping the hands to identify the bodies and why can't you identify the bodies? I don't know. It was a lot. Well, it'd be too. I think it is slow. It changes the process like your hands can deteriorate. But this ensures that you know where the hands are and that they're going to deteriorate to a point beyond recognition. Right. Versus like if you just tossed a body out with the hands attached, then maybe you're not sure how long those hands can. Sure, but but that would be like more of the conspiracy or theory explanation as opposed to like the forensic lab explanation where it's like these are unidentified bodies keeping the hands for identification. Yeah. Well, I mean... Obviously, they want to hold on to the hands. And that's when they would have deteriorated and been unrecognizable. Yes, I think that's a reasonable explanation. It's just, I mean, I can see why there were conspiracy theories around this. Well, yeah, I mean, and then if that's the case, do they have the fingerprints on file? Right. And that was another um, very prominently discussed theory. like. Why the hell are they keeping hands as opposed to just keeping the fingerprints? But whatever. Well, you keep the hands also, though, so that the bodies aren't identifiable. That's why I was thinking that would start in Stalin's time, because oh, whatever they were doing that they shouldn't have been doing, it was a way for people to say, hey, you just did that to my brother. It's like, oh, you mean that body with no hands? How do you know that's your brother? We don't have DNA testing, bitch. The idea was that this happened in 2018 and 410 bodies went were unidentified in 2018. Yeah. So like, it's a little different. <laughs> right. That Well, that's why I think it's weird that it would have lasted to our time. Like, you think once DNA testing was a thing, it'd be like, well, leave the fucking hands on there. Then you're like, well, Russians are unique. And so maybe they would just do something out of something that's existed long enough that it now feels more of a tradition than it does useful. I could buy that. 
That's my thinking. <laughs> All right. Last story, real quick. Bucket of bodies. This is all from a 2019 testimony of a criminal investigation. 2014, the FBI raised the Biological Resource Center, or the BRC, of Phoenix, Arizona. This is part of a multi-state human body parts trafficking raid. What? So this doesn't surprise me. The FBI was researching body part trafficking. Uh, like organs? Yeah. But that's like it, right? Like, Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll see... 2019? 2014. Oh, man. 20- the lawsuit happened in 2019. This is kind of creepy because I feel like in the last 10, even longer, maybe in the last 15 years, there are plot lines. Oh, sure. Yeah. And jokes made about organs on the black market. And it's like, this is very, feels too close to home. It feels like something you hear happens in like another country, maybe. I would imagine that a lot of these plot lines happened because of this story. Yeah. And because of another story that I will tell within this story. Um, The FBI raids the Biological Resource Center and agents find buckets full of body parts. Buckets. 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 And they're just all mixed together? Oh, so... One agent claims he finds a cooler filled with male genitalia. Who is buying dinks? I don't know. You have too much money if you're buying a penis. I don't think that's what it is, but I don't know because I don't know the answer. There's no answer to this. Um, A bucket of heads, uh, arms, and legs. Like a bucket of heads, a bucket of arms, a bucket of legs. And then there's a separate bucket for infected heads, whatever that means. No idea. What the hell? What is going on here? I don't know. The most, well, not the most, but one of the most horrifying parts of this story is that a small woman's head is sewn onto a large male torso. Like No, no. What? Yes, indeed. Not only that, it's hung up on a wall. I have so many questions. (laughs) You should. Unfortunately, I have no answers, but I will try. Like, are bath salts involved in this? Not that I know of. Okay. Oh, boy. The lawsuit also says that bodies were cut apart using chainsaws and bandsaws and that Pools of blood and bodily fluids are found on the freezer floor. I heard that chainsaws are actually very terrible to cut the human body with because they're incredibly messy and they damage tissue. That's not surprising at all after what I read about the Civil War thing. (laughs) But... This is the only theory behind this that I found. Who would put out this theory? Is this Reddit or is this law enforcement? So this is a theory put out by pretty much 
by a guy who's trying to make money. Okay. Okay. I mean, do you have any theories about it? No, I have too many questions. Yeah. I've got loads and loads of questions here. I mean, would you like to ask questions now or should I just go ahead with a theory? I think you can go ahead with the theory because I think the questions I have, you don't know. Sure. Yeah, that's a problem. Are these people tied to drugs? You said this happened at an actual facility? Yes, it's called the Biological Resource Center. A lot of questions are like, who's funding that? What? How does this exist? Who works there? So this this will give you a lot of those answers. So this theory was put forth by a man named Philip Gayette, and he is a self-proclaimed former body broker. What? Oh, my God. I just saw a movie based on this. It's called Fresh on Hulu. I do not work for them. But if you like scary uh, sawing off body parts movies, that's a good one. There you go. Yes, Gaillette, according to the testimony, because he also spent some years in prison. Well, good. I don't want to I don't like a broker who hasn't been broken in. You know what I'm saying? He received between three thousand and seven thousand for each body that he brokered. It's good money. Beats driving an Uber. Although you're probably doing both, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he didn't his story is weird. Like he worked for morgues and then like body parts research. But then he started his own business, which was pretty much using people, and these are people who can't afford to cremate their relatives. They donate their bodies to these, well, donate, quote, unquote, to these companies who use the body parts and sell them to other people. And then the body brokers, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to cremate the bones and return them to the relatives. Because the only part that you can cremate of a person is the bones, which I didn't realize until I did this story. Yeah, I I feel like I've I've done some light reading on the topic. Well, this this actually changes my my opinion of cremation quite a bit. I did not realize this. Oh, interesting. Yes. So, just to give you the story about Gayette, he was sentenced to eight years in federal prison for falsifying me- medical records because what he did was he falsified the donor's disease or drug use. Um, what he says is, quote, he assumed that checks and balances in the screening and processing would catch any problems with a tissue. Quote, I was greatly relieved when I was advised that no one was harmed by my actions. Nonetheless, I deeply regret my wrongdoings and apologize for any problems I may have caused. But who is buying the body parts? Everyone. Pretty much everyone. Like medical research? Yes. Medical research. But also... um, But why are we sewing heads on the bodies? Well, we'll get to that later. Okay. Okay. But first, like we're talking about like there 
is literal like we're talking about like organ donation yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. So we're talking And that's interesting too because usually they don't like it if you're dead. Like boy, this is morbid. But not I mean I can handle it and it happened within my family. I had a relative who died and he was really young. And he was an organ donor. So like when he had died, I actually saw him in the hospital, but they kept machines attached to him so that when they removed the organs, they were like as fresh as possible. So that's interesting that he's moving these bodies. So post-mortem, I guess it's yeah. like, it seems like, it seems like the only people who would benefit from that would be like academia, but no one is getting it like amputated or getting the is receiving it for use most of the time is my guess. Yeah, it kind of does seem like that. It does seem also, but there then there's also like, I don't know it because it does seem like there's some places where it could be useful but i'm not really sure yeah probably depends on what you're getting yeah i think so so the the industry itself says that no one has been infected from a tissue transplant since 2002 but some say that regulators oversee over 2000 businesses that handle tissues and generally only inspect a few hundred per year. Hmm. So this was a, a problem when these stories first came out around like the 2014 area time period. There was even some calls put out like if you've received a tissue donation, you should get tested for oh diseases and stuff, which is very dark. Yeah, that's terrifying. I mean, it's already terrifying that you tissue from someone else and then on top of that be told like oh by the way okay so philip guyette is the one who put forth this theory okay and he thinks <laughs> that the center may have sewed another person's head on top of a other person's body because they wanted to make enough human body mass to cremate for the families because the idea is that they're selling off body parts, but they need to give back the same mass to the person who donated the body. I think that's a terrible theory. I don't think anyone <laughs> receiving ashes have an actual any idea what they're receiving. I also agree. And also, like, I don't know that necessarily, like, I, I why would you want that many ashes? But also... It seems like you could find some cheap filler. Like, if you're like, oh, this looks light. Well, here's that bag of dust we got from Walmart. Throw some in. Yeah, who knows? This, I mean, I don't think that this story is uh, indicative of the human body part. What, you know, like, I don't, I don't the know. Industry at large. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, who knows, Molly? But I think that this one is a little bit more horrific. Like, I don't think that most companies are 
That's pretty horrific, though. Well, yes, yes. Also, if you're cremating a body and you are like, yeah, we need the weight of a head and a body. You don't need to sew them together. Yeah, like, yes. That's not a necessary step if it's all turning to ashes. So still a terrible theory. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree. I think the guy, well, and that's why I was said, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, this guy just wants to make money. Like, yeah. he's just trying to get into the news oh, in any way oh, possible. Oh, bodies? <laughs> yeah. I know a, a thing or two about some body shit. Um, did I did I mention he wrote a book while he was in prison about being a body broker? Yeah, that's why. I mean, I would read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. You can. I'll look it up after this. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's to me, it's just very much like, oh my god, poor people in this country have no recompense. Like they they just have to sell whatever they don't have any it's just sad so back to the sadness very sad situations in arizona one man named troy harp one of 30 plaintiffs in the lawsuit against the facility he donated both his mother and his grandmother to brc in 2012 and 2013 with the understanding that the bodies would be used for scientific purposes. Yeah, we're making meat puppets for science. Quote, this is a horror story. It's just unbelievable. This story is unbelievable. He received his mother's ashes in the mail, but he does not believe they were necessarily hers. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, man, <laughs> that's that's really sad. That sucks. Another plaintiff sued because he had hoped that his mother would be donated for Alzheimer's research, but instead was sold to the U.S. Army to test the effects of roadside bombs on troops. Oh, my goodness. And apparently these are things that you can specify when you donate bodies. Well, now it's like the whole donate bodies to science. It really loses dignity when you hear about this. Yes, I agree. Here's some explanations of this is a Reuters investigation from 2017 of one man from this facility. His left foot went to a Chicago area orthopedic lab. His left shoulder was sent to a Las Vegas company that holds surgical seminars. His head and spine went to U.S. Army for an unidentified project, even though Patrick explicitly, Patrick, sorry, that was the name of the man, explicitly said while he was alive that he did not wish to be used in military or destructive tests. Wow, Jesus, man. His external reproductive organs were sent to a local university, and his right foot and left knee were placed in the company's freezers, which was added to the BRC inventory. That's a bummer. Yes. So I thought it was interesting that they got this opinion of this Philip Gayet guy 
because it sounded like that's normal. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't doubt that's normal, but it's like, wow. I guess there's some like comfort that when you make those decisions, like, oh, I'm doing something dignified. I'm going to be used for science. You, you really don't have any autonomy after that. Like you're dead. And so the fact of the matter is when you die, that's it. I mean, in terms of what happens to your vessel and whatever your family decides, whether it's a cremation or science or burial, it's more for them and telling people you sent dad's body for science. It's more for your ego than it is what is actually happening. Like it separates you from the actual physicality of it. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm not really like as long as my body is not being used to make money. An academic pursuit is an academic pursuit. And I would rather my family members not think about like the actual yeah. logistics of what's going on. I've I've always wanted the put me in a hole in the ground thing. Really? One of those natural things. Yeah, but then it makes me think about the whole Civil War thing. Like your bones are still there. Yeah, but what, what does that matter? Yeah, I guess, but Except like the only thing, the only thing, if we're gonna get mystical, I'd be afraid that I was like bound to earth in some ghostly way while my body rotted. But I don't really think that's how ghosts are. But it is a theory that people have about ghosts. Yeah. I have definitely thought about the whole put my body in a in a hole in the ground. But I stupidly thought that my bones would be also. Like they would deteriorate? Yes, which now I realize probably was a stupid thought. No, I don't think that's... Well, I think I would bargain that 90% of people don't even get that far into thinking about it. Most people... I'm willing to bet most people stop at I'm dead. They don't think about the worms and the the life cycle that is happening with your dead carcass like that. That's a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I don't think I want any part of me like out there at all. Really? Well, no, 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 no. I mean, like, like that's why cremation appeals to me because it's so like, yeah, you get it could fly off into the wind, right? As opposed to some like, sort of destination, you could always enjoy. Yeah, as opposed to like one spot where things are. See, all of it is. I think I don't know. For me personally, I feel like any of it's kind of ridiculous. Like, whatever happens, happens. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I am hoping that when I die. I am not earthbound. I'm not a ghost. That's my next big concern. What happened to the vessel I left behind? Do whatever you want with it. I'm clearly not inhabiting it. It's like an old apartment. <laughs> like we had some memories there, but yes, I would 
I've always kind of believed in the whole Harry Potter ghost thing where it's like you you choose that like you are okay with moving on so you're moving on or yeah I do think I think there's something to be said about this is funny how this is now turning into a ghost at the end (laughs) but this sort of energy and like the limestone frequency I think we need to do more research. We need more, we need to pour more academic money into limestone instead of bones. But um, <laughs> like that sort of energy, whatever that is, I think is its own life. And then the essential core of who you are. Yeah. You're either going to stick around because you're attached to the energy or you move on because you move on. But my hope is always that, like, I think I would move on, but I hope that's okay. I hope there's not, like, some sort of, like, satanic demon that's like, no, you will be stuck here till the end of days. Yeah. Like, I hope the Christians are right. <laughs> they're, they're... <laughs> Thank you for doing the research, Molly. You are welcome. It was horrifying, but next week shall be a much more enjoyable, pleasant experience. So stay tuned for that. Where can people find you in the meantime? In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. How about you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast there at sex with ghosts underscore um you can show your support for the podcast by giving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast i know spotify is now letting people do that that just lets other listeners know that we're the real deal um and if you want to show further support you can go to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts fantastic see you next week yeah be careful with your eyes out there folks and hands and Arms. Your penises. <laughs> Bye. Bye.